Welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. The title of Chapter 9 in my book, What to Say When Things Get Tough, is Avoiding and Escaping Traps. And I quote an old African proverb, which says that when an elephant steps on a trap, no more trap. Unfortunately, we're not elephants, and if we step in a trap when we're trying to break through and win people over, chances are pretty good that the trap is going to win. Traps can exist when you're communicating in normal or tough situations, but when you step in one in a normal situation, your audience probably won't notice, or it'll give you the benefit of the doubt and ignore it. If you send the wrong nonverbal cue, one of the things that we've talked about in past episodes about how to use your eyes and your hands and your posture to send the right nonverbal messages. If you do something wrong with a friendly audience in, in one of those instances, you're going to be okay. They're not going to ding you on your trust and credibility score because of that faux pas. But in a tough situation, falling into one of these traps will begin to erode your code score, your caring, openness, dedication, and expertise score. And if you don't escape quickly, you won't be able to win people over when they're angry, worried, and suspicious of everything you say. And it's easy enough to step in a trap all by yourself, but in a lot of the situations I've worked in with clients over the years, the situation is particularly hostile and high profile, you can encounter people who are deliberately attempting to set traps for you to step in. They are trained to undo all the good work that you've been trained to do when it comes to establishing and maintaining trust and credibility. Many years ago, my firm worked with a client that wanted to build a high voltage power line through three states in the mid-Atlantic. And as part of our work, we helped organize a series of community meetings to engage residents who lived along the lines route and businesses that operated there. And most of the meetings went off without a hitch. They got a little hostile. People were upset and angry, and a lot of people were against the idea of building a high-voltage power line in their neighborhood. But they went, you know, pretty much without a hitch, without people deliberately trying to disrupt the proceedings. But in a couple of instances, there were trained activists in the crowd, and they used a lot of tactics that were designed to trip up our spokespeople. They accused them of lying, implying that they cared about nothing but money, They threw around a lot of really technical jargon, which, as we're going to discuss in a future episode, can be a very difficult trap to escape from. They were trying to erode our client's trust and credibility rather than to bolster it. So to avoid these traps, whether they're inadvertent or deliberate, whether you accidentally step in one or one is set in front of you, it's important to know what they are and as well as how to escape one if you do step into it. So based on my experience, In the next two or three episodes, we're going to run through a number of different traps that I've encountered through my years and working with clients and talk about how to escape from. The first trap I'm going to call the preparation trap, and it may be more precise to actually call it the lack of preparation trap. If you fall into this one, it's really entirely your fault. There is a very old but still relevant story about Senator Ted Kennedy's run for the presidency in 1980 and a little historical perspective here. In 1980, Jimmy Carter was running for a second term as president. He was not a particularly popular president. He was not seen as being very effective. And Teddy Kennedy decided to challenge him for the Democratic nomination that year. And to make the announcement, he and his team set up an interview with Roger Mudd from NBC, who was an old family friend. The setting was the Hyannisport compound where the family grew up. Very Americana, a lot of trust and credibility, just emanating from the homes on the property. And because Roger Mudd was a friend of the family, the expectation was that it wouldn't be a particularly difficult interview. It would be friendly, and it would give Senator Kennedy a tremendous boost 
in launching his campaign to unseat Jimmy Carter for a second term as president. Well, you can bet that Senator Kennedy was well prepared for a number of potentially difficult questions. Some of you may remember, if you're old enough, that Ted Kennedy was involved in a scandal known as Chappaquiddick, where a young woman that he was driving in his car drowned when he drove the car off a bridge. Uh, he did not report the accident for almost a full day, uh, and he was never held to account uh, for this woman's death. Her name was Mary Jo Kopecky. There were a lot of family scandals that he might have to answer to. His oldest brother, Joe, had been killed in World War II. His older brothers, John and Robert, of course, had been assassinated. There were a lot of uh, very difficult questions that he could possibly get from Roger Mudd, and you know he was well prepared for those. Well, they sat down, the lights came on, the cameras started rolling, and the first question that Roger Mudd asked Senator Kennedy was, Senator Kennedy, why do you want to be president? And he had no answer. He hummed and he hawed and he mumbled for about 15 to 20 seconds, which is an eternity on television. You can look this clip up on YouTube, I'm sure. And the problem was he had been prepped very well for the questions that he thought might be difficult, but he hadn't rehearsed or prepared for the easy questions. And I've tried to drive home in my work with clients and in my book and on this podcast that you have to be paired and well-rehearsed for tough situations in which you need to win over people when they're angry, worried, and suspicious. Communicating in situations like these, it's as much of a skill as acting or dancing or singing or playing professional baseball or football. No professional performer would ever step foot in front of an audience without sufficient rehearsal, and that's on top of the years of hard work it took to get them to the top of their professions in the first place. In a tough situation, you are on stage, you are essentially performing, whether you're talking one-on-one -on -one with a colleague or a friend, speaking to an auditorium full of people, or conducting an interview with a television program that reaches millions of people, and your rehearsal needs to cover the most difficult credibility questions that you can possibly expect, as well as general fact questions, friendly ones, and even out-of-the-box odd questions. You should have well-rehearsed answers that use stories conveying your key messages, and that'll prepare you for essentially any question that can come your way. Let me give you another story. I've mentioned Vince Cavello in the past, my guru and mentor in the field of risk communication. And he used to tell a story about a public meeting that he helped a client prepare for. And it was a company that wanted to build a landfill, a new landfill in a community. I don't remember where it was. And they had a series of public meetings. And at one of them, after about 20 minutes of presentation, the company's representative took questions from the audience for 30 or 45 minutes. And there were a number of questions. How late will the facility be open? How much trust traffic will there be? Is it going to smell? Things you can probably expect that people are going to ask about when you are telling them you're thinking about building a landfill in their community. And towards the end of the evening, when it seemed as though the questions were done, a little old lady stood up in the back. and She raised her hand and he called on her. He said, yes, ma'am. What's your question? And she said, if this facility is going to be open at night and you're going to leave all those lights on, isn't that going to attract those aliens that keep visiting this community and abducting my husband for medical experiments? Now, the entire audience giggled. You know, some sort of looked away, were a little bit embarrassed. But the company's representative responded with absolute respect to this woman's oddball question. And what he told her was, ma'am, I can tell that that is important to you. I'm not an expert in that field. I haven't heard those stories. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. When the meeting is over, please stay. Come up here and give me your contact information because I'm going to find somebody who will get in touch with you and talk to you about that question and get you an answer. Well, what do you think that did to that spokesperson's trust and credibility? 
it went through the roof. Uh, I wasn't there, of course, but the story that Vince tells, it's one of the greatest exhibitions of risk communication skill that's ever existed, that's ever occurred. The people in the audience were a little embarrassed by the question, but that little old lady was one of their neighbors. They knew her. They knew she was a little odd. And instead of treating her disrespectfully, he treated her, the spokesman treated her with absolute respect. So all that by way of saying, if you don't prepare, you will fail. You'll fall into the preparation trap. It's really as simple as that. And you can be sure that your opponents, if you're in a situation where you may have opponents, they're going to be well prepared. And it's easier for them to knock down your code score than it is for you to boost your code score. If you fall into this trap, you'll have a very difficult time trying to climb out. So you really have to avoid it. That's the best way to deal with this potential trap. Prepare with your organization's public relations or communications experts, if appropriate and available. Make sure you have your stories and messages set, the things you want to convey to the audience and have them remember when they go home to explain to their significant other what happened at the meeting. Think about the questions that you're likely to be asked and the answers you're going to give. And we'll talk more about how to structure those in a future episode. And as well as the audience you're trying to reach, and be sure to remember that the easy, benign questions like, Senator Kennedy, why do you want to be president, are important to prepare for as the difficult and hostile ones. And finally, and this can be hard to do, but you must do it, grab a friend or a colleague for at least one tough practice session when you give your speech or presentation, tell your stories, and respond to questions, both easy and hard. Ask the people you're going to rehearse with, to prepare. Don't give them the questions they want, you want them to ask, or you can give them a few, but tell them, hey, I want you to think about some other questions and fire them at me, even some really strange things. And that is really the most important. You really you almost can't over-prepare. I do counsel clients a couple of hours before they're going to go on stage in a difficult community meeting. Stop thinking about it. Stop rehearsing. Just relax. Do whatever you need to do to get your mind off it. Read watch TV, take a nap, anything just to sort of wind down. But up until that point, you really can't prepare enough. I can tell you from experience, uh, personally, delivering a presentation in front of my colleagues is far more nerve-wracking than delivering it to a room full of strangers. So once I'm comfortable doing it in front of the people I know, I know I'm going to be confident and ready to do it in front of people. The next trap is the humor trap. And this is a difficult one. We've talked about it in earlier episodes. And the literature, the research on how and whether to use humor in a difficult communication situation is not settled. But I counsel my clients that the best thing to do is to avoid this trap. Don't tell jokes, even of the self-deprecating variety, which is where the research is a little mixed. Some studies show that self-deprecating humor can actually boost your trust and credibility score. Others show that it sends it down. So I think the best thing to do is just not to do it. And don't smile unless you're absolutely sure Doing so isn't going to affect your code score. The advice I give to clients in this regard is be human. If smiling is appropriate in the moment, then smile. But if it's not, don't. And one of the things that a lot of people do when they're nervous and uncomfortable is they smile or they laugh or they try to tell a joke. It's a classic way of breaking tension that is perfectly acceptable in a conventional, normal situ communication situation. But it can backfire terribly in a difficult situation because... It sends a message to the people you're trying to communicate with that you don't take their concerns seriously, and that drives down your code score. I had this happen to me. I helped to facilitate a community meeting uh, in the Northeast. This was four or five years ago. It was a very hostile audience, the most hostile I've ever been in front of. 
I was up on stage with a company representative and I was sort of orchestrating the event. She gave her presentation. We had two microphones set up in an auditorium. People lined up at the microphones and I went back and forth asking for people to, to ask their question. We were up there for two and a half hours. And at one point, about halfway through, a woman said something that triggered a memory of a television episode that I've seen many times and enjoy. And I, without thinking about it, I made the joke that from that television show that was relevant to the comment she had just made. Well, I, we had been doing very well. Our trust and credibility score was high. The company representative was doing well. I was doing well, I thought. We were getting through the questions. It was a tough audience. There were trained activists in it trying to disrupt what we were doing, but we were sticking to the script, getting our messages across, answering the questions that were asked of us in a way that was boosting our code score. And I laid that brick, and you could just tell that our score plummeted. Mine did anyway. It was an offhand joke. It wasn't, it wasn't off-color or crude or anything. It just was inappropriate. It sent absolutely the wrong message because it had nothing to do with the question that the woman asked, and all it did was make her think that I didn't take her question seriously. Now, I recovered. We recovered. We did well. We accomplished our goal there. But it's just an example of how even the tiniest little bit of humor can really backfire and the best way to avoid this trap is just not to use humor in a difficult communication situation. And we'll do one more trap for this episode, and it's the negatives trap. For those of you who listen to these episodes and have listened all the way to the end, you know I always close by saying, always be positive. Being negative is another trap that you can fall into in a difficult communication situation. And success comes from being positive. That's why I close by saying, always be positive. So whenever possible, Convey your stories, messages, supporting information in a positive way and approach a conversation or presentation in a positive state of mind. The last thing I say to clients before they go out on stage in a difficult situation with a concerned, angry, worried, suspicious audience is, remember, you are here because you have a good story to tell and you're prepared to tell it well. You go out, shoulders back, chin up, chest out, you are there because you want to be there. Because, as I said, you've got a good story to tell, and you're there to tell it well. You don't want to approach it from a negative point of view. Even if you're nervous, if you're scared, if you're worried, if you're afraid, all of those things are perfectly normal. Everybody feels that. The question is, and the distinction between professionals and non-professionals is, how do they handle it? So go out with a positive state of mind. Try to avoid negative words and phrases. Try not to say no or never in responding to questions that people ask you. If you say it occasionally, it's not going to kill you. But if you say it over and over again, those negative words tend to reinforce negative messages, negative images in people's minds. And even though you're talking positively about something, if you're doing it in a negative way, go back to the, uh, go back to the story about the landfill being that the company wanted to build in that community. And a lot of the questions had to do with, is it going to smell? No, it's not going to smell. That's a way of speaking positively about that question, but it's a negative approach. You're saying, no, it's not going to spell. Instead, you can say, we have a number of systems in place to prevent odor from leaving the site. And let me tell you about what they are so you can understand all the things we're going to do to prevent odor from reaching the community. And then you can talk about those things. That's a positive way to talk about that story to answer that question without using the words no. So those are three traps you can step into, preparation trap, the humor trap, and the negatives trap. We'll get to other traps in the next episode in a couple of weeks. And until then, now you understand a little bit better why I always say at the close, always be positive. Uh-huh.
Thank you to Jim Cirillo from jimiumgroup.com for our original art. Thank you to Rachel Greenberger, my daughter, whose 22nd birthday is today. Happy birthday, boo-boo, for our original art. Please send questions to WTSWTGT at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT.